Hello, welcome to Get in the Game podcast with your host, Scott Leinberg, former MLB star and current water mission advocate. Oh yeah, and he also happens to be our dad. So let's dive right in. All right, well, welcome to Get in the Game podcast. I am proud to introduce my first guest, a former teammate of mine, one of my favorites all time, Dave Roberts. Welcome. Liney, what's going on? This is good. Um, I'm, I'm excited um, to reconnect with you, uh, talk baseball, talk life, whatever we want to get into. Yeah, you bet. We always have good conversations. Uh, we had good conversations in the clubhouse, and I know it's going to be the same here. Um, so I want to start out, Dave, because, I mean, you, you truly were one of my favorite teammates. And your positivity, your energy that you brought to a clubhouse were always just uh, so appreciated and valued. Um, where, where does that come from? I guess I'll just start with that. You know, what, what are some yeah, of the lessons? I, I, you know what I, I think for me is I've always kind of been that energetic, optimistic guy. Um, you know, I don't know where it started. I obviously it started in the home, but I have a different personality than my parents have as far as being so outgoing. Um, but I've always been taught to just kind of look at things in a positive way. And my father was in the Marine Corps for 30 years. So I moved around a lot when I was younger. So I think that a way for me to acclimate, assimilate with different uh, people and different groups, you know, when you've moved, you know, three, four, five times during your childhood, um, made life a little bit easier for me. And then that's kind of who I was. Yeah, I agree. I mean, moving to several uh, different teams, I mean, that was always something that I carried with me is, you know what it feels like to be the new guy. And so you you want to be somebody that, that welcomes and and uh, brings people in, brings people together. Um, and that's what you're doing now as a manager. So um, I, I want to talk a little bit about your playing career, but talk about your your managing experience now. What What is that like as, as a leader in the clubhouse and, and creating that that culture? Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing as far as initially when I came, when I was named Dodger manager, the manager of the Dodgers in 2016, um, you know, there was a lot of talent, but I just felt that from the outside looking in and also knowing some of the pieces that players that were a part of the teams prior, it just was a little bit dysfunctional. So I think that for me, trying to change the culture, establish new culture was important, was uh at the top of my list. And I think Liney, um, you know, I think, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a phrase that I, that I learned uh, from a mentor of mine. And this really rang true with me. He said, uh, what got you here won't get you there. And what he meant by that is as a player, we're very single focused, laser focused, we're stubborn, we are um, have a lot of pride, ego. Uh, we're not good listeners. It's always about ourselves. And basically, I had to flip the script because I was going to. I was there as a manager to serve the players, and I really wanted that to be known from the outset. Yeah, man, that's great. I love that. So, talk about some of the challenges that you faced, especially last year, um, and then I want to get to the victory too. Um, but what what kind of challenges did COVID present and, and how did you you keep that that culture alive and and, you know, a lot of things that you couldn't do? How did you replace those things? Yeah. Um, 
well, I'll tell you this. If it, if it was in 16 when I first became the manager, I don't know if we could have survived it as a team. I think that I've been fortunate. We have a lot of great coaches in, in place. Um, the culture has been established, and we do a really good job of focusing on things we can control and eliminating the noise um, to ultimately win a baseball game each night. And so I think that those four years prior prepared us for that, I guess as prepared as we could be for a pandemic. Um, but last year, there was a lot of growth. Um, players were uncomfortable, and we talk a lot about being comfortable being uncomfortable. And last year was as uncomfortable as we can be with the uh, protocols that we had to adhere to, the testing every other day, then ultimately being in a bubble for, uh, for, for gosh, for five weeks um, as we made our World Series push. So it was, it was tough. And at the end of it, man, we were all exhausted. But um, I, I was proud of the way we got through it. And uh, it's interesting, though, is that we learned a lot about each individual last year, more so than in past seasons. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, all right, so I'm going to back up a little bit because I probably – I'm doing this a little bit out of order. I probably should have, like, you know, started with you as a baby and then growing up in <laughs> high school and <laughs> just made my way. I had to go straight to the manager Oh, thing, no, but... God, I don't know. If, I don't know if you have enough time for that. I know. Well, we could talk all day. But, um, <laughs> but I do want you to talk about, um, as a player, um, obviously, you know, you had a, a moment there in the World Series with the Red Sox where – you know, the steal, I mean, as it's come to be known. And everybody in the stadium knew that you had to steal second base and you had to get there if the Red Sox were going to have a chance to put you in scoring position. You knew the job that needed to be done and you knew that everybody on the other side of the ball were going to be trying to prevent you from achieving that, but you did it. Talk about what that um, amazing accomplishment did for you and the life lessons that, that you're now carrying forward from that. I think it just validated uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the phrase um, success is when preparation meets opportunity. Um, I remember being with Maury Wills, my mentor, when I was with the Dodgers uh, as he was a coach. And he just told me, he goes, DR, you're going to have a moment. And everyone in the ballpark knows you're going to steal second base and you can't be afraid to steal that base. And, Liney, at that point in time, I hadn't played in close to 10 days. And, um, but I, every day I was out there working on my leads, my jumps, my breaks, watching video. And I was on a great ball club. And so I didn't know if my opportunity was ever going to happen or present itself. But if it did, I was going to be prepared. And I, and I really believe that just my preparation, my willingness to be a great teammate, um, root guys on, um, support them while I could. And if given the opportunity, be ready. And so once I got that opportunity, I just felt that this was my chance to contribute. And uh, fortunately, uh, all my preparation worked out. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, you said it and, and being a great teammate makes it easy to root for a guy. And I'll tell you, I mean, I played for the Giants and the Padres and it was hard for me to root for the Dodgers in a world series, but the reason I rooted for him was because of you. So, yeah, I mean, friendships and teammates, you know, that kind of stuff transcends the uniforms that we put on, but I appreciate you sharing about that. Um, yeah. And just to give folks who may not know, you know, more context for, for what you've done, you know, you won a world series as a player. Um, then you had a couple of world series losses in the, in the middle there. And then last year, of course, 
y'all had that amazing season and won. Um, and I can't imagine what that must have felt like, just the culmination after, you know, the third time finally getting there and winning it. Um, you know, we, they say you, you learn as much from your losses as you do from your wins. What did you learn from those two losses and what was your message to your players after that? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a quiet clubhouse. Um, you know, baseball players are unique in the sense that they can run this marathon of a season and get to the, the, the pinnacle and then still have that in them to be willing to do it again the next year and potentially the next year. Um, so just, I remember, you know, losing to Houston in 17, the Red Sox in, um, in 18, um, it, it was tough. You know, I, I think that for um, our guys, knowing the talent was in the room, but not being able to uh, ultimately win a championship. And then Liney, that was, it was 32 years that the Dodgers uh, hadn't won the World Series before last year. And so there was a little bit of that built in, you know, I hate to say pressure, but real strong expectations that we as players and coaches had. Um, so what we learned, I think that what we learned is uh, we're resilient, that we can get, pick ourselves back up and try to accomplish that quest again the next year. Uh, but that feeling that, you know, when you're watching a team celebrate, um, actually two times on our home field, is, is something you'll never get out of your mind. And um, it still stings a little bit, both of them, yeah. Well, I know that you're a big proponent of leadership. Um, and I know you're a big uh, John Wooden fan, you know, being a UCLA grad. Uh, you learned a lot from him. I remember you and, and Trevor Hoffman talking a lot about, um, you know, those leadership lessons. And I came to appreciate probably more after the fact, looking back on, on the leaders that really spoke into my life. Um, while I was playing, and you were certainly one of them. Trevor was another one. Um, but could you maybe uh, talk about some of those leadership lessons that you try to instill and, and how you're trying to, again, build these, these men up um, to be more than just baseball players, but to be servant leaders? Yeah, I, I think that I, I am a huge fan of John Wooden. Yeah, um, I, I think that um, for me, I, I think that it starts with being uh, authentic with yourself. I, I think that you really got to understand who you are. And, um, you know, I'm an outgoing guy. Um, there's some people that are not as outgoing as I am, and, and that's okay. Um, I think that really trying to get a grasp on yourself and who you are. <clears throat> and I'll say that for me, it's a constant battle uh, to really uh, understand who I am. And because and, as I continue to grow every day, every year, and that's a good thing. Um, and I think that just appreciating the fact that each player is, is, uh, their own individual. And I think the best leaders understand that. And, you know, cause when you don't really realize that, then you make it about yourself as opposed to the players. And I think that, and I know that the game is always has been always will be about the players. So you got to really understand who these guys are individually. Um, and I think just the consistent communication of, the messaging. Um, and, and for me, I think that's important. Uh, but for me, honestly, I just really try to pour into guys um, because I think that for me, three things players want to know. Do you care about them? Can they trust you? And can you make them better? So if you can answer those three questions, then you got a chance to uh, 
you know, to get to them and connect with them. Man, that's really good. I, I totally resonate with needing to have those three questions answered. Um, so talk to me about what that looks like, because you talk about, you know, having to know your players and being authentic with them. That looks a little different in the context of a manager and a player. As we, you know, as we're players, me and you, I mean, when we play together, we can go out to dinner, we can get together with our wives. Like there's just a, a chumminess that we can have, but you, you kind of have to have that separation as a manager. So how, how do you develop that relationship uh, as, a, as a manager versus as a player? Yeah, I, I think for me, it's, it's trying to peel back a layer um, and really try to get to know um, the players on a personal level. And yeah, I'm not going to, for the most part, know them as, as well as a, as a teammate might. Um, but I do think that me knowing their family situation, uh, you know, guys right now, we, uh, you know, for me, as simple as something as knowing the player's wife's name or they just got engaged or where they're from hobbies that they do. And, uh, I take, I took this thing from, uh, you know, my old manager, uh, buddy black, uh, who took it from Mike Sosha, where you meet a player. And so every day in spring training, I pick a player and you get them up there in front of everyone and you embarrass them a little bit, learn their hobbies, what they're all about. And, but it helps me, it helps the coaches, helps their teammates really know them. And it goes back to that care because you, the more, you know, more about somebody, the more you care about them. So I think that for me to reach out, get to know these players, I think that extending that olive, olive branch uh, builds that trust. And that's kind of something I really am constantly doing. And lastly, I try to touch every player every single day. And, um, you know, I have a lot of things going on, but even a little, hello, how you doing? You pitched well yesterday, just that much, that little bit. I try to get to everyone every day. Yeah, that's a great, I remember seeing Bruce Bochy do that. It was probably my favorite manager. Um, you know, just walking around the outfield with a fungo bat and just taking time to, to check on guys. Hey, how you doing? That goes a long way. That's awesome. Yep. And, and then you have guys that will run through a wall for you when, when they know that you care. That's right. That's great. Awesome. Well, um, all right. So as, as a public figure, and as, especially in a market like L.A., I mean, you're the face of a franchise. You're expected to be outwardly focused to um, – we as, as athletes, we have um, a responsibility, and, and you know, oftentimes it's a, a great responsibility to, to really give back to serve in our community or, um, you know, do events that, that really promote the, the general welfare of a community. What are some of those things that you've been involved in in LA and what have you really enjoyed in terms of being able to give back? Yeah. You know, I, I, you, I, you nailed it. Um, I, I do think that when athletes, baseball players specifically, um, look at it as a responsibility, I think that it's a huge win. Uh, you know, being a professional athlete is very difficult. There's a lot of people that ask and want things, but I just really believe that having that sense of uh, that servant mind mindset to want to help others, it always kind of gets you back to that gratitude piece that, um, you know, we got it pretty good. And there's other people, there's other things outside of baseball. And, um, you know, and I think that that ultimately will make you a better person and a better ball player. I really do. Um, and with the Dodgers, it's just such a diverse um, fan base, greater Los Angeles, the community itself. So uh, the Dodgers Foundation does a great job of working with myself and players with 
the homeless, and you're talking about the pandemic with computers for families, um, uh, food, the LA Food Bank we've been working with. And so there's so many different things that uh, I have an opportunity to uh, impact the community. And that's probably, Liney, you know, I love competing. I love players. I love baseball. But this giving me the opportunity, the platform to do things for the greater good is, is probably my biggest joy. Mm. So I'm, I'm going to let you expand on that a little bit too. Can you talk about like personally, how do you feel when you've been given a chance to, to serve in that capacity you're talking about? Like what are the feelings that go through your, your mind after you've, uh, after you've done something like that? It just kind of just, I mean, gratitude, thankfulness of, you know, my lot in life. I mean, and I'm not saying it's easy or there hasn't been its challenges, Um, but I think it's just for somebody to empower me to um, give me the opportunity to make someone's life or my day a little bit better, put a smile on their face. um, That's great. It, it it, it, It helps me, you know, ironically, probably helps me more than it helps the people that are the recipients of whatever we might be doling out. Um, and I think that the Dodgers really understand that. And that's something for me, I pour into our players about um, embracing that. Um, because I really, again, feel that it makes you a better baseball player. Because when you can look around the clubhouse and you have a bunch of people that want to serve each other, I think it makes uh, you know you stronger. Because as humans, it's always easy to look uh, in, internal and do for yourself and be selfish. But when you look, can look out for the well-being of others, it just makes you a whole person. And uh, so, yeah. So when I do that and I see that, you know, I was on this uh, Zoom call, this uh, uh, this Zoom call a couple weeks ago, and we raised $1.4 million um, in about four hours for the LA Food Bank. And that's remarkable. Wow, that is fantastic. Yeah. Um, you did that all by yourself or was there? No, it was, it was a bunch of artists. Uh, it was with the Dodger foundation, musical artists and, um, people just making crazy donations. And, uh, we auctioned off, uh, two world series rings. Um, so there was some people doling out some money and it was, uh, a lot of fun for the LA food bank. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. I I love the way you're using your platform to help other people and you're encouraging those who have a platform to to use it. That's great. Well, so you mentioned the gratitude piece. You mentioned, you know, how it, it also makes you appreciate your circumstances. I want to go into um, something that some people may know about, but um, you are a cancer survivor. And, um, and if you could talk about that a little bit, because I know as you were talking about that, that's immediately what my mind went to um, is how that experience uh, made you. And you've told me this, that you're so grateful for the life that you have and, and something like that, that really kind of makes life just stop in its tracks um, and, and make us look at what's truly important. Um, but maybe you can share more about that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it, uh, it was tough. It was a tough time in my life. I had just finished playing. Um, I was working as a special assistant uh, for the San Diego Padres. And uh, interesting enough is that I did TV the prior year. And uh, if I had done TV again that year in 2010, I wouldn't have had the uh, physical that we get in spring training. And so that Hodgkin's lymphoma is an aggressive form of cancer. 
and uh, when I was when it was detected on in me, it was uh, stage two. So they said a couple months later it could have been stage three, stage four. Then it's in your blood, and then you got a different issue. Um, so I think that for me, I was very grateful that we got it detected. And honestly, Liney, um, once I learned about cancer and knew what I was dealing with, I was like, okay, course of treatment, let's knock it out. Let's go head on and take care of it. Chemo, uh, radiation, and that's it. Watch my diet. And Trisha, my wife, really just took the lead and loved on me, did everything from meals to taking me to chemotherapy and all that stuff and took care of the kids. But I'll say this, is that even after all this, I would do it again. Um, I think my faith um, got me through it like emotionally and mentally. The doctors were amazing. Um, I just really believe that my faith uh, got me through it. And my uh, parents came to know the Lord because of that. And so that's a huge win for me personally. And um, I don't know, it, it's something I continue to work with the Padres as I was going through my treatments. Um, I don't wish it upon anyone, but I felt that it happened for a reason. And uh, I came out on the other side and uh, I have a story to tell. Absolutely. And I'm sure that story has a lot of impact um, with a wide reach of people who are maybe struggling with the same thing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, I want to shift gears a little bit here. Um, you know, one of the topics that was obviously front and center last year was the topic of race. Um, and and I would love for you to speak to uh, you as a an African-American manager. I, th- I believe you're the second African-American manager to win a World Series. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So you're you're in an elite class right there. Um, but I came across this when I was doing a little bit of research, um, a Tim Brown article from Yahoo Sports. Um, and it was on um, the issue of race. And it was right after you had um, actually been accepted or been nominated as the uh, the manager for the Dodgers. Uh, but the headline of the article is Dave Roberts is evidence why race can be both important and meaningless. And I know you didn't write that, but can you maybe talk about what that exactly means and or or does that reflect um, what what you feel about your position as a as an African American manager and how you can um, you can really you know influence the culture in that way? Yeah, you know, um, I didn't. I don't. I don't recall the article. Um, I respect Tim Brown as as a, as a journalist. Um, you know, it's interesting. Is there the African American player um, has continued to decline in Major League Baseball, as has the coaches um, from the 80s, the 70s, 80s, um, where that was kind of early 90s, where it sort of peaked. And then it's gone downhill from there. Um, I think that for me, being the second African-American manager to win a World Series, I feel a sense of responsibility to kind of uh, do right by other potential candidates and down the road. Um, I don't think that race should matter. But I do believe that people that hire uh, other people seem to always hire people that run in similar circles that look like them. And I think that's just a human nature type thing. Um, But I do believe that Major League Baseball is trying to be better and be more proactive um, with certain initiatives to uh, be open to race, uh, gender uh, and and things like that, which I think is fantastic. Um, 
we got to get better. But I do think that the, the, the social, uh, the racial injustices last year opened up a lot of eyes and right or wrong. I think that if we can use it and, and open people's eyes and, and make change, I think we can look back and hopefully say uh, there was, it was a time of change. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing I'll, I'll ask the question. Have you had a lot of opportunities to have conversations like that with your players? Yeah, we have last year, last year was, it was a big year in the sense of growth and really uh, learning more about players personally. And, and you really appreciate how everyone came from different backgrounds. And I said, you know, I think when, when, uh, when, when it all kind of went down, when Major League Baseball um, protested a game, I just went on record as I just said that we got to hear each other and everyone has got to really listen and not be so quick to speak. And, you know, we had big time conversations in our clubhouse and, you know, players growing up in the South, white, black, players growing up in the Northeast, white, black, players growing up in Southern California and coaches and just kind of hearing everyone's perspectives and not saying one's right or one's wrong, but it's like just to be heard was huge and to have an open heart. And so I also think that that helped our ball club, you know, get through some of the things that were big deals, but none bigger than uh, race, in my opinion, that, that a black man has to deal with when he walks on the street and is looked at differently. Um, so we had a lot of uncomfortable conversations, Lainey. Yeah. Well, and, and to your earlier point, you know, about a teammate that really, you know, rallies around each other, loves each other. Everybody knows that, that they've got their back. I mean, that's where it has to start. Um, and then those those conversations can develop from there. But it takes leadership to initiate those. So hats off to you for doing that. Yeah, no, and it, it does. And I appreciate that. And because I was, you know, my dad is African-American, my mom's Japanese. And so you know, I, I had an, a little bit of an identity crisis, you know, as I was growing up. And I shared that because I don't speak the language of Japanese. So I can't really associate with the Asian the Japanese culture and even my family in, in Okinawa. I, I can't speak to them um, and I'm not dark skinned. Um, so it's not like I can just say I'm black. And so I was kind of like, where do I fit in? And I was always raised to kind of you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. And it really doesn't matter the color, but um, in some senses it does matter because uh, it's real and people do judge color of skin. Um, so I kind of shared that and, and kind of, you know, try to be transparent. Hmm. That's great. All right. I got, um, well, I have many more questions, but I'm going to go ahead and ask one more question. Um, and this is a very open-ended one, and you're free to go in any realm that you want to go in here. But if you could be known for one thing, and Dave Roberts is known for a lot of things, but if you could be known for one thing, what would it be? I love the Lord. Um, I love the Lord. I love my family, and I was a great teammate. That's a great legacy. Yeah, that was actually one of the quotes that um, that popped up on your Wikipedia page, which you got to be careful about what's in there, but... Um, but that's, oh, I gotta re, I gotta search my Wikipedia page, make sure it's correct. Well, I think you'll you'll align with this one. You'll like it. Uh, in quotes, it says, "My relationship with Christ is the most important thing in my life." That's right. Everything aligns uh, when when my relationship is right. Amen. Well, Dave, I really appreciate the the time that you spent coming on here with you. Best of luck to you this season, and thank you for your leadership. 
Thank you, Liony. Great catching up, man. Best of the family. Yeah, man. You too. Thank you for listening to the Get in the Game podcast with Scott Weinbrink, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. You can connect with Scott and follow him on Twitter at Scott Weinbrink. We want to invite you to subscribe to the other shows on our network, our flagship show Sports Spectrum, Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, and Recalibrated with Mallory Brown. We'd also love for you to check out our Sports Spectrum magazine, full of great stories and content covering the intersection of sports and faith. You can subscribe at sportsspectrum.com. It's $18 for an entire year subscription. Again, the website to subscribe is sportsspectrum.com. Thanks so much for listening.